Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, January 30th edition of the Basement Academy. Hard to believe that the month is almost over. Woof. Um, yesterday, uh, in between services at church, we held our annual winter congregational meeting. A couple things that happened there if you weren't in attendance. Uh, first, we shared our year in review highlight video, so you'll be able to find that on our church website. And so if you didn't get a chance to see that or want to watch it again, go ahead uh, and you can look that uh, through. That's about 10, 11 minutes, uh, great pictures, um, some heartfelt pictures, seeing some folks that are no longer with us now. Uh, and so I invite you to do that. Second, announced the survey that we'll, uh, we're going to be administering uh, this coming month uh, in February. So we're sending to all homes of members uh, a printed copy, a little cover letter, a little chart that shares some differences um, between uh, the Presbyterian Church USA, our parent denomination, and some of the key beliefs and practices at Greenwich. Um, and you can take the printed copy and then return it to us, or you can also take this online. I think that's going to be up on Friday uh, of this uh, week is when we're going to have that uh, survey up and posted. It'll be up for the month of February. Asking for the honor system, everybody just to complete one. Let us know if you're a member of the church or not a member. Either way, we do want to get some uh, feedback from you. So we'll, we'll talk more about that as needed, but wanted to get those um, administrative announcements in front of you. Okay, let us read our morning psalm, Psalm 30. And there's a phrase in there, Oh Lord, you brought me up from the grave. And it kind of touches on what we're going to talk about for these next couple days about God's grace to us uh, in and through Jesus Christ. So Psalm 30. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust Praise you, will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Amen. In the midst of our troubles and trials, we call out to the Lord and he rescues us. Okay, we have talked about three essential tenets about the authority of God's word, about the mystery of the Trinity and the mystery of the incarnation. And so these are, are 
shared beliefs within the wider Christian community. Now we're going to share some essential tenets that are more narrowly focused on the Reformed tradition of which the Presbyterian Church uh, is a part, coming out of the Protestant Reformation. Okay, And so the first of these essentials of the Reformed tradition is God's grace in Christ. I'm going to talk about that for a couple days here. All right. Now, when we're talking about God's grace, we're talking about that which saves us. We are saved by grace. We'll do a little Bible study on Ephesians chapter 2 tomorrow. And so the grace of God is his merit. It is his favor. It is his kindness. It is that which saves us, that brings us up from the grave, right, and makes us alive. And so um, salvation by grace alone is one of the hallmarks of the Reformed tradition, the Protestant Reformation. Okay, we find this, you know, in Scripture. But before we get there to all that good news of the grace, the amazing grace of God, we have to set the good news in a wider context. And so we can't understand the grace of Christ without the whole story, okay? Some folks just want to read the New Testament, and I commend you wanting to read the New Testament, but we must set our understanding of New Testament realities in Jesus Christ in the context of this larger story of God's creation, his covenant and salvation, first through Abraham and Abraham's family, and then uh, beyond uh, into uh, the church. Another way of saying this, that we've got to have a wider context, is the, the, the bad news is what creates context for the good news. Or you can't, I've heard some people say, you can't understand the good news of the gospel without first understanding the bad news of, of sin. Okay? And so, once again, we go back to Genesis, right? Genesis chapters 1 and 2 describe there for us a, a good God who creates a good creation. Chapter 1 um, is laid out in the, the various days of creation. And so God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then there was evening and morning the first day, and then God said, and then God said. And then eventually, on the sixth day, God gets down to creating the human family. And so in the image of God, he made the male and female, he created them. And so God creates us, as uh, some have said, as the crown of his creation. And throughout each of the refrains, there, there is kind of a, um, a strophic quality, like a hymn. There's a verse, and so there's a pattern to the six days of creation. And what we read there is God declared it good. And so this good God makes a good creation. He creates the human family upright to be in fellowship with himself and fellowship with each other. Chapter 2 describes the placing in the garden. So chapter 1 orients us creation in time. Chapter 2 orients the creation in space, in the garden, in Eden, and describes the rivers, etc., etc. And so the man is placed there. He goes to sleep. He creates the woman, brings the woman to uh, the man. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And then there we also read God uh, in chapter 2 
speaks about you may eat of any tree of the garden, but this tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's in the middle of the garden. And so chapters one and two describe the goodness, the shalom, the wholeness, the blessedness, the abundance, and you can in, in, in kind of implied joy and, and gratitude. So all this blessing in, in creation. And then chapter three. And so we're introduced to the serpent who is more crafty and wily and he comes up and he slithers up as it were and he, he, he speaks to the woman and seduces her, tempts her. Did God really say? And so cast this doubt and this questioning of God's word and God's authority and God's character. And, and we know the story. Eventually uh, they take and eat. But God had warned that Adam, the day you would eat of that tree, don't, don't do it. So he warns him, but the day you would eat of that, you will die. There will be consequence. You were not created to, you were created to be like God, but not to be the one who authors and, and, and determines good and evil. That is for God alone to know, God alone to author. And so I go on and on about that over time, obviously, that in the taking of the tree, what Adam and Eve did for themselves and for the whole human, human family is to uh, usurp the authority of God, assume the prerogative of God to be the ones to determine good and evil, right and wrong for themselves. And the problem is Adam's doing that, Eve's doing that, and then Cain and Abel are doing that and, and, and so on, right? And so down to you and me. So we start with this story, chapters one, two, and three. And so scripture is clear. Adam and Eve are created free. They are free moral agents. They're given capacity to choose. And so God puts them in a garden, creates um beautiful trees which have abundant fruit and so there's everything they need to live and yet God specifies there's kind of a, a, a moral reality there is a tree you are not permitted to eat from and so Adam and Eve have the choice they may they don't have to but they may choose to eat of that tree there is moral agency and so free creatures freely chose against the will of God. They chose to sin. Don't know why, <laughs> just that they did, right? And so this notion of um, being created in the image of God with the capacity to choose a volitional quality, that is something that we enjoy. It is a capacity that is ours. God is faithful. God faithfully warned them. He spoke the truth. God could be trusted. He should have been trusted. He should have been obeyed and listened to. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We studied that on Sunday, right? Um, that, that, that God's will for us is to listen, to receive his word, to trustingly obey and honor his, his uh, purposes and will. May his kingdom come, his will be done. And so the, the Lord's prayer, as we've been studying, ties back into this story so wonderfully. And so, and so scripture is clear that God faithfully warned them. It's not that they were clueless. 
that they were left without a witness, but God had spoken. It was clear, don't do this. They did. The death that they experienced was not at first physical. So when we hear death will happen and then they didn't die, well, maybe it wasn't such a bad idea. Death begins kind of spiritually, relationally, emotionally, um, socially, if we could say it that way. And then eventually physical death overtakes uh, the human family, right? And so the scripture says their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. They were ashamed. They sewed fig leaves together. So they covered up uh, that their own fellowship with each other. Their intimacy was broken. Okay. Um, they're hiding in the bushes. They hear God coming. Formerly, perhaps would have run to God, and now they run away from God. They hide in the bushes. God interrogates Adam, where are you? Well, I heard you coming, and I was afraid. Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to? And I don't think it's that God is asking because God's not sure. God's omniscient. He knows that. He's asking for Adam's benefit, calling him out, Okay. And so their relationship is affected. The relationship with God is affected. And so uh, death has more than just the physical component to it. I think we're to understand that from these opening, uh, this, these opening chapters of Genesis. And so there's a spiritual death. The fellowship and relationship with God is broken. The relational death, the intimacy between Adam and Eve, we see this play out with Cain and Abel, the, Cain and Abel in, in chapter 4. Social death, death comes to the community. It's now affected, okay? And so the light and joy of the garden is now uh, diminished, okay? It is, it is darkened and dampened. And then eventually physical death uh, comes. Um, and as we read those opening uh, chapters of Genesis, we see that the effects of sin, you know, people still live a very long time, you know, hundreds of years, but over time as... Uh, uh, various diseases and other realities uh, come into the human family, then the, the, the lifespan of, 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 of the lifespan shortens, the way we'd say it. Okay. So one of the ways we talk about this spiritual death, this impact of sin on the human personality um, is total depravity. Okay. Now, some of you will be familiar with that phrase, um, if you've been around the Presbyterian Church for a while, you're, you're probably familiar with that. Some may not have ever heard those two words together. Total is like, you know, man, that's everything. Depravity sounds like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm such a bad person. I'm not as bad as that person. You know, I'm not, you know. And we list off, you know, the Adolf Hitlers, the Saddam Husseins, you know, the Osama bin Ladens, whoever it is, you know, you want to lift up as the paragon, or the, the kind of the example of, of, of evil, well, well, I'm not that bad. So what do you mean I'm totally depraved? Total depravity uh, as a theological concept. Again, those words are not in the Bible. Okay, that, that phrase is not there. The concept is total depravity is a way the reformers spoke about the impact of sin. None of us are as bad as we could be. It's not that total depravity means we are all completely 100% evil. Everything we do is the worst thing that could ever be done. Total deprav depravity simply refers to this idea that every aspect of the human personality is affected. 
my intellectual, my intellect uh, is, is affected. Our reason is affected. So reason is not untainted. So when people say, well, that's not fair of God, you know, why did God allow all this suffering? That's not fair. Underneath that is the assumption that our ability to look at the world and assess the world and understand what's good, right and wrong, good and evil, fair and unfair, we assume that our reason or our observation is unfettered. It is, it is perfectly untainted. I can see perfectly that God is unfair and unjust and how dare he. Our reason has been affected, but we don't see that, right? We're blinded to it. So our own self-awareness has been affected. Our reason, our intellect, um, our emotions. Well, I feel this, it was right to, you know, fall in love with that person. Well, you're already married and that's, you, you, you had relations with somebody, but it felt so right. I don't care how it felt. <laughs> it was wrong. Okay, that's called adultery. Feelings are not a reliable guide to the truth. They're not a reliable guide to reality. Sometimes I feel as if nobody loves me, and that's not true because I am loved. I am valued. I am honored. God has done so. He has created me in his image. He has sent his son to bear uh, my sins, and so I am loved, but I don't feel loved. Well, your feelings are not a reliable guide because you have been affected by sin. Um, our uh, ability to communicate, right? We, 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 don't commu we, we have the ability to communicate, but we don't always communicate uh, truthfully. Dishonesty comes in, little shades of, of, of lies, white lies and, and full-on total lies. Um, we do not always hear accurately, and so we hear and understand, and you know, so, so all of our faculties, all of our capacities, um, our will, our will has been affected. And so I do not always choose the good. I, I choose the wrong sometimes, even when I don't want to. Paul gives voice to this in Romans chapter 7. The good I don't want to do, I, I, I mean, sorry, the good I want to do, I don't do. <laughs> the evil that I don't want to do, I do. Have mercy on me. <laughs> it's this crying out, why don't we follow through on our good intentions, our best intentions? because of sin. And so total depravity is every aspect of the human personality, heart, mind, soul, strength, as it were. And then obviously our bodies are affected by sin as well. We grow up, we grow old, <laughs> we die. Sometimes disease comes, sometimes other uh, complicating factors. And so if we're to understand God's grace in Christ, we have to understand this part of the story, okay? And so I'm going to leave you now. <laughs> I'm going to leave you hanging a little bit, okay? And so we're going to end here, and then we'll pick up tomorrow, and we're going to do a little Bible study on Ephesians chapter 2, which I think is a, a great, concise expression of this. Uh, feel free to read that overnight if you want, and then we'll, we'll do a little deeper dive tomorrow. Uh, but let us give thanks to God for his grace in Christ that does not leave us, but he brings us up from the grave. We are raised to life through Jesus Christ and our faith in him. So let's close in prayer and we'll pick up again tomorrow. Okay, let's pray. And so, Father, thank you that in the midst of this bad news, there is good news. The good news of Jesus Christ that we celebrate 
Lord, hear our prayer for one another, uh, for ourselves, that we might uh, continue to be brought up from the grave, from the, the places of depravity and brokenness and sin. Help us to walk into newness of life through our Lord Jesus. And so as we rest with this part of the story overnight, Lord, Lord, keep us in your care. Guard us, protect us. As we gather again tomorrow and study your word again, Lord, uh, may we deepen our own faith, hope, and love through Christ, in whose name we pray and who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of grace and truth and love and hope and mercy through Jesus Christ, may that God watch over you, keep you, bless you this day and forevermore. Amen.